all of us need help at times. I don't care how independent you are, how wealthy you are, how healthy you are, how structured you are, um, how learned you are, how well you are. There are pivotal points in our lives where we all need help. Sometimes, um, if you're like me, it's hard to ask for help. Uh, there are some of us who struggle uh, greatly with uh, asking for help. We simply internalize things and work it the best way we possibly can. That's not always a good practice, but uh, I'm extremely, I'm extremely guilty of that. But all of us need help um, in the earth where um, family, friends, um, that we can actually rely and depend on. And yet there are times where there, there is some help that we need that family and friends cannot help us. But there is divine help. There is a God who sits high and looks low, uh, who is waiting eagerly to help us if we would if we would ask him. Uh, I think that's the song. Uh, if I but ask, uh, he promised to help me. Uh, so tonight, I want you to know that you have help uh, beyond spouse, beyond parent, beyond um, resources beyond resume, beyond degrees, you have help that um, you can activate uh, if you ask him. Uh, Seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open. Uh, in the vernacular of the old saints, um, if you pray and pray right, he'll hear and answer your prayer. Um, we need help. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now, Nellie, thank you for confirming this. Uh, yeah, God always does that for me. My help. Again, Virginia Williams said, we have a responsibility to help those around us and others in need. Listen, church, God has blessed you to bless someone else. Um, he has blessed you to help and to be a blessing to others. And yet there are times where you are in need and God, God has blessed or will bless other people uh, to bless you, not just with resources, not, not just with money, but, but, but a listening ear, a kind word, a word from God. All of us need help in some kind of capacity. But yet there are those of us who are blessed and you know you're blessed. But here it is. You cannot be blessed and be selfish. Write that down. Tweet that. Uh, put that on Facebook. Don't steal my quote. Tag my name to it. <laughs> you, you cannot be blessed and be, be selfish. Because when you are blessed, you are blessed again to help someone else. But there are times where, guess what? As blessed as you are, you have weak moments. 
where your where your spiritual energy and strength just runs low. And yet God is waiting uh, to infuse you with his power. He is, he is waiting to infuse you with his strength. He is waiting to answer your call. God is literally waiting to help you because guess what? Every good father always takes care of his children. And guess what, church? You have a father who sits high and looks low, and he is waiting to help you. Tonight, I want to visit several narratives um, that will help you understand how God is waiting to help you, how he uh, has helped those in scripture. Uh, it might not be your story, but maybe you can gain some hope from their story. Um, in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through uh, 16, he helps us, he helps me rather, when I can't help myself. Then, and that's the time when we need help. If, if um, uh, I'm all right, I, I, I'm doing all right when I'm all right. I, I, I don't really need you when I'm all right. I, I need you when I ain't all right. If, if I made sense. And there are times that God says, I'm, I, I wanna help you because there will come a time in your life, guess what? You will not be able to help yourself. In Luke chapter seven, verses 11 through 16, we see this narrative where this, this widow at name is about to do the unthinkable that no parent desires to do no matter how all their child is or how young that child is. This mother uh, is about to do the unthinkable. Medea, she's about to lay her, her son to rest. Um, they are literally en route to the sepulcher or the burial ground or the cemetery. And um, again, she's in a bad spot because again, the widow at name, she's a widow, she's lost her husband. And now her only uh, child, her only son, and her only means of support is now dead. And Jesus is walking, and they come at a crossroads. And this word that is used, he had compassion. That word compassion simply means literally to put yourself in someone else's position. Could it be that God had mercy on this widow who was about to bury her only son because in a few days it would be God? In essence, who would lose his only son? That's what compassion does. That, that, that's why you help people who you help because you literally put yourself in their position and say, that could be me. I could be sick. My child could be uh, dead. My, 
my, my, my house could be in foreclosure. Maybe my money could be low and I can't feed my family. So I bless others in order. I bless them because I see myself where they are. And I bless them because I do know, watch this, all of us, most of us aren't but one paycheck, two paychecks, one storm from being this widow woman. She's lost her husband. She's lost her son. Now she's grieving, but while grieving, guess what? She has no one to physically help her in the area of provisions because it was her son's duty and job after his father died to take care of his mother. And now he's gone. Jesus sees this woman, I'm sure, weeping, wailing, those around her weeping and wailing and lamenting because he is dead. And as this funeral caravan is processing down the dusty roads, Jesus sees them and touches that carrier that is carrying his lifeless body. And when Jesus touches him, that dead boy gets up and Jesus literally gives him back to his mother. She was in a position where she could not help herself, but Jesus helped her. Have you been there? Who am I talking to tonight? You, you had your back against the wall and you saw no way. As a matter of fact, there was no way in the, in the earth. There was no way in the flesh. You saw no way with your physical eyes. You could not uh, phantom away. With, with your mind, but you can testify that where there was no way, God made a way. And where, and where there was no door, God put a door. And where the road stopped, God extended the road. And when you could not help yourself, guess what? You have and had and have and will have a heavenly father who watches over you. That him, I trust in God, wherever I may be. Because that's what happens in life. All of us in life will come across situations in life where nothing or no one can help us. Those with her could not help her. Those walking with her could only render aid so far. They, they couldn't help her with the dead son. All they could do is literally be there for her as a friend, as family, offer, render support. But they couldn't change the situation. And like you, you have people around you who are there for you. 
to render aid, offer support, be, be that ear, be that voice of reason. But they can't get your house out of foreclosure. They, they, they can't heal you of that disease. They, they can't change the trajectory of your child's life. That they can't, they can't get your car out of repossession. That their, their, their power is limited. You thank God for their earthen support, but their power is limited. But there is a God who is ever present in your life that is willing and able to help you when you cannot help yourself. And all through scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, we see God and Jesus moving throughout the earth and the history of his people. Guess what? Helping people who couldn't help themselves. I don't know who you are tonight. Maybe you are on the precipice of giving up. Maybe you, you, just, you just think, I can't do this anymore. That there is no way. Maybe you have thoughts of suicide. Maybe you have thoughts of ending it. Maybe you, you're giving up because you just don't see a way out. Here it is, church. It is not your job to see a way out. It is your job to trust God. And God is able to do abundantly and above all you ask, think, or believe. Your job is simply to Press through, and sometimes that's all you can do, and that's hard sometimes. It's easier to give up. It's easier to take the pills, drink the vodka, and sleep away. It's easier to put the gun to your head and just give up. But guess what? That ain't God's will for your life. God desires for you to say, hey, trust me. Trust him, because guess what? God can only give you this great and grand testimony after you have come through this test. So I know what doctors may have said or don't know, but I do know one thing, God is still able. I do know that. I, I don't know what's in your bank account. I, I know God is still able. This God who takes fish and bread and multiplies it. This God who, 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 who just speaks a word to the centurion's servant. This, this, this God who just spits on the ground and makes a divine salve and heals this. I, he's able, church. From Jairus to the one with the issue of blood. He's able, church. You're in that place, but guess what? You aren't there to stay because God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you to do what you need to do. And what you need to do, listen to me out there, is believe. And Tim Glenn says, you need to learn how to trust the heart of God when you can't trace his hand. 
but you have no clue what God is doing. Trust his heart. Because guess what? God knows and God sees you after you have come through this. But guess what? There are some things you just have to go through. You can't you can't shout your way out of it. You can't fast your way out of it. You can't tongue talk your way out of it. You can't speak in the atmosphere. There's some stuff you have to go through in order for God to grow you and mature you and to develop you and to fortify you. When you cannot trace his hand, you trust his heart. He helped her. And who in this virtual church tonight can testify and type in those comments, he helped me. Come on, talk back to me. T -t type in there. He helped me. When talk to me now. He helped me when I couldn't help myself. He made a way for me when I when there was no earthly way. My money, my credit couldn't do it. My contacts uptown, downtown, around town couldn't do it. Resume couldn't do it. But guess what? God helped me. Underqualified, overqualified. God still helped me. And tonight. I suggest wherever you are, you owe God a praise. And my mama said like this, when someone does something kind for you, the least you could do is say thank you. Who tonight can say thank you, Jesus, because you helped me. He helped me. And guess what? He is helping me. And guess what? He will keep on helping me because he's just that kind of God. He helped me when I can't help myself. But guess what, church? He helps me when my joy runs out. I'm in John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. That whole image and picture of the first miracle of Jesus. Um, where he does his first miracle, he he literally turns water into wine because you do know that um, in this in this portrait, this picture, that um, wine is a symbol of joy. Could it be that's why they call it joy juice? <laughs> <laughs> joy, 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 joy juice, joy juice, yeah, joy, you, you got it, joy juice. They, they show up at this, at this wedding, in a leisurely setting, and, um, That's what happens. This ain't deep. This ain't heavy. This is practical teaching. The fellow who's in control, who's running the show, he does what no good host wants to do. He runs out of beverages. No, nobody wants to be at a party 
and the joy runs out. <laughs> Nobody wants to be at a party and the joy and the joy runs out. Well, uh, his mother just is motherly. And she says to them, listen, uh, y'all do whatever he says to you. They, they went and got those, those water pots and uh, filled them up with water. And, uh, you know, Jesus kind of delicately scolds his mother because he's not really in that vein right now, but, you know, he gives directives and uh, his mother says to the, to the folk, whatever, whatever my boy says, y'all, y'all do it. And I, I like the black expression of preaching because black, black preachers are so, we have such great uh, mind when it comes to certain things in the pulpit. And I think, I think it was again that my cousin William Timothy Glenn says that when, when the water saw the face of Jesus, it blushed uh, and it turned into wine. It was a symbolic symbolism of joy. The fellow who was in charge of the of the feast, the joy ran out. Have you been there before? And your joy ran out. Who who am I talking to that? You're just so used to smiling publicly, you don't really feel like it, but it's just your persona. You, you don't really feel like smiling. You don't really feel like talking. You don't really feel like conversing. You don't really feel like being the strong one. You don't really feel like helping anybody because life has drained you. You're depleted. You, you've helped people. And you just don't have the strength and the energy to help anyone else. But you are who you are. And the people who look at you because you've been smiling and talking positive so much, they really think you got it all together. They don't think you have any issue. They, they think you dot every I, cross every T. They just think you live on on the farm with, you know, the little house on the prairie with, you know, with, with half pipe. Albert Mim and Charles the English family. I'm old like that. My my, my grandmother raised on that kind of stuff. You just live in Mayberry with 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 Opie and Andy and Aunt B and you know life for you is, is is wonderful. But they just don't know how miserable you really are. They don't know how tired you really are. They they they, they don't know. They don't know. They do not know how you really just need a genuine hello or a genuine hug you know, or a genuine person to really care about you. And you, you really, in the words of Fannie Lou Hamer, you're really sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
but you have this persona that you keep up in the public and you just smile and you just you're just hey how are you hey blessed and highly favored too blessed to be stressed all that old foolishness i get so sick of that man because then you know because to suggest that i'm blessed and highly favored maybe means that you ain't blessed and highly favored too blessed to be stressed that's foolishness too all of us are blessed. If you woke up, you blessed. Yeah, you know, if you if you if your legs work, and you can feed yourself. You you blessed. Man. Yeah, we all blessed. But even with blessings, life does bring stressful moments. Moments where you just become depleted. Moments where you just don't have it. It happened to me in preaching. I just lost it. I, I was preaching because I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor, so that's what I'm supposed to do. But it just wasn't there. I dreaded coming to church. I dreaded coming to the pulpit. Didn't have it anymore. I, I mean, I was I was a robot. I, I was doing what I'm supposed to do as a preacher, as a pastor. In one of those moments, I, I asked one of my friends, Bishop Gary Scott, before he transitioned to Florida to come and preach. And it was in that moment of preaching that God just kind of gave me that joy back and restored me on, to the point where I looked forward to being at church. I look forward to preaching. I look forward to to reading. I look forward to engaging and listening to uh, colleagues, contemporaries, heroes preach. I lost it. But when you really want it and you ask God for it, he'll give it, he'll give it back to you. Tonight I don't know who you are, but The 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 the, the in charge of, of, of the wedding said, usually the folk put the good liquor out first, and then when folk get a little toasted, they put anything out there because you know once you drunk, you don't you don't know you, you just you just drinking, and they said, oh you know you saved the best for last. Could it be that God said I'm I'm saving the best for last because I'm trying to get you to a point where you trust me even when you don't have any joy and that you understand that your joy does not come, watch this, from individuals because some of you, some of you people, I don't mean to be rude, but some of you are so needy and codependent upon other people You've made other people your whole life, your whole sense of existence. And then once they uh, leave you or unfriend you, you just fall apart because you've made them your joy. Or when you can't drive a certain car or wear a certain designer or wear a certain uh, cologne or perfume or wear a certain shoe, you just fall apart because that is your whole persona. 
And once you depend upon other people to give you joy, you put your life and your happiness in other folks' hands. But the only person who can really give you that joy, and joy ain't about being happy. Because that depends upon what's happening. You got money, you happy. Folk aren't sick, aren't dead, you happy. Bills are paid, you happy. Church is good, you happy. Folk are speaking well of you and loving you and doting on you and bragging on you, you happy. But when you read Paul's writings, Paul never talked about happiness. It was always joy. James, count it all joy. Because joy is that stuff that even when all hell is breaking loose around you and you have no joy on the outside, you still have joy on the inside. And joy is simply that thing that God gives you to keep you focused because you know you are blessed. I, I, I was talking to um, a friend of mine uh, who was going through some things and um, certain dates are coming up that uh, will affect us all because of death. Um, and, and I was trying to share with them that in spite of how you feel that you're still blessed. And I, I saw, I saw, I saw, um, I, yeah, yeah, Dwayne, you, you, your comment says, stress comes with the living, but you don't have to yield to it. You're absolutely right. Uh, but in the same like manner, my friend, Everybody's on different spiritual levels. Never forget that. Everybody ain't super saint, super Christian. It's a process for some folk. And, and we have to be, we have to be uh, cognizant uh, and, 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 and kind to those who aren't as mature in the faith as others are. But back to my point, I was trying to encourage her to know that, hey, it's rough, it's tough, it's a rough month. And yet I kept this article because I wanted her to see that uh, there's always somebody out there with the worst story. And I saw this young man, 17 years old, whose mother and father died four days apart from COVID-19. Can you imagine that? Losing your mother and your father at 17 years old, four days apart from this COVID-19. How do you tell folks like that to still have joy? How, how do you do that? We do it because we still trust God. And we do it because none of this from COVID-19 to your loved ones dying to issues that you're going through, none of this caught God by surprise. It will catch us by surprise. It, it, will, it, will, it will literally take the air out of us. But God says, I, I saw COVID coming. I saw your house going in foreclosure. I saw them cutting your hours. I saw you losing your mother when you thought she was well. I, I, I saw your father just dropping dead. And I know life has 
sucker punched you and took all the air out of you. But I want you to know something. If you get to know me, if you talk to me, if you read my word, I'm not saying all of your hurt, all of your pain will disappear overnight or tomorrow or next week. But God promises that he will literally be right there with us, that he'll walk with us, that he'll console us, that he'll comfort us. Anybody can testify that it was in the moments where you had no joy, where God revealed himself to you like never before. In the moments of weakness and sorrow and pain and discouragement and tears coming in contact with your cheeks and your pillowcases, where God revealed himself to you. And when you thought you could not go any further, you couldn't take it anymore, you had all kinds of thoughts going through your head, yet God sustained you and gave you strength to make it through one more day to get out of the bed, to take a bath, wash your face, comb your hair, go to the barbershop, get your, get, get, get your stuff together, and you face one more day, not in your own strength, but in the strength and in the power of God. Listen, folks. All of us who are on the phone call, you who are watching virtually, all of us have reasons why we should give up, why we should literally just um, throw in the towel. Anybody besides me ever felt like throwing in the towel? I don't mean this one time either. <laughs> you, you had multiple towels for multiple times. Yeah. It is hard to have joy. My mother-in-law said, it's so hard to have joy in some of the weakest, weakest times. And she's absolutely right. Because here's the whole thing. This ain't easy. See, see, these moments separate church people from Christians. These moments separate people who talk it and people, pardon my vernacular, people who are trying to be about it. That was so urban, forgive me. It, it, it ain't easy. No, nothing about this is easy. Nothing about life, ministry, not, 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 sickness, death, growing old, bad news, wayward children. None of this stuff is easy. And you see that, we see that with Jesus being in Gethsemane. With the weight of what is to come on his shoulders. Um, a, 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 a kangaroo court, a false arrest, a kangaroo court, 
denial, betrayal, a cry on the cross. That's what he sees in that cup. But I'm going somewhere. When he prays so hard until drops of blood falls from his Watch this, church. I'm going somewhere. And, and in his weakest moment, guess what God does? God sends angels in the garden to minister to him, to give him strength and power to face what he's about to face. And that's what God does for me, for you, for us. God sends angels. He sends his power, his spirit to fortify us, to strengthen us, to give us the strength to face what we can't face. And guess what Jesus did when he got up off his knees? In my mind, I, I believe he said, once the angel gave him strength, I believe he said, let's get it on. Let's, let, let, let's do it. Because guess what? He knew why he came. He knew his purpose and he knew he understood that man could not get back to his father unless he shed his innocent blood. It wasn't easy, but it was worth it. And we all tonight can testify. No, this ain't easy. It ain't easy. But guess what? Ask yourself this. If it's not easy with Jesus, could you deal with it without him? No, you couldn't. No, you couldn't. No, I couldn't. It's hard enough dealing with life, with Christ on our side, living inside of us. We could not survive this thing who, who out there can say, thank God for Jesus? Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that he gives me joy and strength even when I'm depleted. Friends, don't give up. That's my word tonight to you as I move on. Don't, 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 don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare give up. I'm moving and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Let you go. He helps me with uh, my demons. Uh, I'm, I'm in Mark chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 13. Jesus has just said, peace be still. They have now docked in Gadara. And uh, he is now there for the purpose of he is dealing with a man of what Dr. Ralph West calls a walking holiday inn. Uh, he has multiple rooms in his mind and multiple demons and personalities are living inside of him. And when Jesus gets off of the ship, this, this, this young man who is um, living in the graveyard, um, they 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 banished him. They 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 tried to control him with uh, chains, but he had so much demonic power and strength until the chains couldn't hold him. 
and uh, he's literally living in uh, in the in in the in the graveyard, uh, naked. Uh, he's been cutting himself. Um, hadn't eaten in days. Uh, beard, hair matted. Uh, I'm sure his skin was 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 beyond dirty. He's out of his mind. But when he sees Jesus, he he literally falls down to the ground and says, uh, "What what what do I have to do with you?" And he says to Jesus, "Listen, don't do to me what they've done to me." And Jesus, being Jesus, asked him, "What is your name?" The man doesn't answer. The demon answer. Legion. For we are many. What a Roman legion of soldiers were. He had that many demons living inside of him. Tonight, I need one or two of you all. I know all of y'all can't be honest because church folk lie. I need one or two of y'all to be honest and say you still wrestle with demons. Your demons. Paul, I hear him. Paul, Paul was Paul was a good guy. But I, I like him because Paul was Paul was spiritually dysfunctional, like most of us in church in Christianity. And Paul, Paul was like, man, listen, I'm wrestling with this stuff. I know y'all say <clears throat> sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, five baptized, tongue talking, been to the river, been baptized, soul been converted, and you feel all right. I get that. I get that. I get it. But Paul says it like this. The stuff I know I ain't got no business doing. That's the stuff I'm drawn to. And the stuff that I should be doing, stuff I don't even want to do. Every time I desire to do good, evil is is present. Anybody out there? Y'all, y'all don't got quiet now. Y'all, y'all talking to me? Because I, I know you want folk to think that since you got saved, all of your demons went away. But that ain't the truth. As a matter of fact, most times you struggle with your demons more after you get saved. Because before salvation. There is no struggle. You're doing what you're doing. And my pastor, Dr. Joe Redliff, says, you don't sin because it ain't fun. Sin is fun. So, no, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't become Pharisee tonight. You do what you do, even to your detriment, because you enjoy doing it. And most times after you do it, you don't 
sometimes if you have a conscience, you'd be like, man, I got to stop this. <laughs> Come on now. I got to do better. I know I should not be doing this. I should not be. My loyalty in the wrong place. Oh, God, I'll be at home somewhere. Y'all quiet tonight. Talk to me. He wrestled with his demons. And, and Jesus, Jesus does something unique. And I'm, I'm done. My time is, is far gone. Long story short, Jesus calls the demons out of the man. And there are some pigs and pig farmers over yonder. And Jesus uh, uh, sends the demons in the pigs. The pigs jump over the cliff and uh, they drown. But the fellows who were in charge of the pigs got mad because now their product is dead, but the fella is okay. But here it is. They were more worried about the pigs and not making any money than the man being delivered. And that's still the case today in church. You got folk who care more about money and budget than people being delivered. You, you got folk who care about power and positions and prestige and trying to run stuff, but don't care about nobody being delivered. Is where we have church, but the hell with ministry. We ain't trying to help nobody. We just, we just want to have church and collect money and watch the money and give orders to the past and, other, and to the people. We ain't, we ain't, we ain't trying to help nobody. But ministry is trying to help people get delivered from their demons and realizing that, guess what? We all still wrestle with demons. Beyond alcohol and drugs and, and adultery and being gay or whatever, because, you know, for, for church folk, them the only demons for, for, for church folk. Liquor, drugs, adultery, fornication, and, uh, you know, being gay or stealing. You know, if you ain't doing none of them, you all right. And then have the folk in church and done most of them. <laughs> all of them, currently. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Man, listen, the only, the only reason why we are sane and we can handle our demons is because God gives us strength to do it. And here it is. The pig farmers were not happy about the fellow, but the dude went home. And when, when they saw him, didn't recognize him. You know why? Because he got delivered. And here it is. He was sitting clothed in his right mind. Watch this, church. Some people don't want you in your right mind. Some people want you to remain addicted or remain 
dealing with what you're dealing with because guess what? They can manipulate how you function and how you feel and what you say and where you go. But once God delivers you and puts you in your right mind, you are no longer a pawn in their play. Because now you can think for yourself. And the worst thing your puppet master wants you, the worst thing that could happen to you uh, 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 for your for your for your handler is uh, you once you think for yourself. No, this ain't right. No, I'm not doing that. No, oh no, no, you won't use me to fight. No, you no, uh, uh, no, you you won't use me in this, in this chaos. Some people, here it is. You are only good to some people as long as they can mentally manipulate you. And once God gives you your mind and you're able to think and know right from wrong and say, no, yes, that's your battle. I ain't, no, no, I like her. You mad with her. She ain't bothered me. No, you don't speak to her. I like her. Hey, girl. He helps me with my demons. I know y'all quiet because you don't want to admit that you still got demons that you wrestle with. Yeah. Just because you saved don't mean the old you don't come up sometimes. Yeah. And that could be from from drinking to smoking uh, to, 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 to verbally accosting someone. You wrestle with that. Because you, you, you're normally quick-tempered and quick-mouthed and she says something to you and you really want to get with her. You know why? Because that's that demon you wrestle with. And you have to center yourself and get your mind together and don't fall into the trap of their foolishness. Just say, okay, God bless you and walk away. We all wrestle with things inside of us. But God gives us strength uh, to help us uh, in those in those areas. I'm I'm gonna I, I really have one more, uh, but I'm gonna hunk it off there. I got one, I got time. Um, he helps to lead me uh, when I need refreshing and when I'm lost. Yeah, that's Psalm 23, verse number two. He leads me beside still water. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Because sometimes we get so caught up in our demons, we lose our way. We thank God the shepherd who had that staff, that rod. Not only will he fend off predators, but he will also use that rod and that staff to correct us and to get us back in the fold. He leads us. Beside the still waters, place where he, place where we can become refreshed. 
comfortable. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm on this program where I'm, 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 I'm walk, walking and running, just trying to keep it together. But I have to drink a gallon of water a day. Now, I hate drinking water. I, 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 I don't like drinking water. So that ain't, you know, that ain't my thing. And uh, Nikki is always on me for walking in the heat because I walk in the heat. But the only way I can drink that gallon of water is in the heat walking and running. So when I'm walking and running, my mouth is parched. And guess what? Gatorade won't do it. Soda won't do it. My body needs to be replenished with what it's made out of water. And so that gallon jug, guess what? At home, I'm going to sip it. I ain't going to finish it. But in that heat, running, walking, I don't have a choice. And by the time I get through with my five miles, six miles, or whatever I'm doing, by the time I get home, I'm done. The sun made me drink it to be refreshed. Tonight, God is trying to refresh you. I'm done. Take time for yourself. Take a break. Read a book. Go for a walk. You can't take care of everybody. You can't be all things to all people. Enjoy life while you can. Take yourself to dinner. Go sit in the park if it ain't too hot. But do something to enjoy you. Because guess what? If you keep going at this pace, you're going to fall dead. You're going to get sick. You're going to have a heart attack, stroke. Blood pressure going to shoot up. Because you're trying to do all things, all people. Uh, 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 oh, no. See, I'm the eldest child. They need me. If, if I don't do it, uh, she. If, if I don't be there, she ain't going to eat. If, if, if I don't be there, he ain't going to take his medicine. If you die, they're going to eat. If you die, they're going to take their medicine. Stop putting that weight and responsibility on yourself. And guess what? You die. And they keep doing the same thing they was doing before you died. Then killed you, child, and you you gone. Take the time to refresh yourself. Go get a massage. Take care of you. Because all the people who are depending on you will kill you, bury you, and won't change after you dead. That's too much responsibility for you to put on yourself. They need me. I, uh, they, 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 they can't function without me. No, that's too much weight. I don't want nobody around me who can't function without me like that. Because I, because the way, the, the way my moods work. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other story. Yeah, don't put that off on me. Uh, uh, that's too heavy for me, man. Uh, uh, that's too heavy. That's too heavy. And stop. Doing it for yourself. Enjoy life. Because guess what? I'm done. This ain't no rehearsal. You don't get but one shot at this. 
And when you gone, you gone. And all them folk who you took care of and they they, they had to have you around and if, if you wasn't around, they couldn't function. No, man, uh-uh. That's too much weight. That's why you're so stressed. That's why you can't function right now. Because you're taking care of everybody and nobody taking care of you, including you. If they tell you they can't eat unless you're there, hell, let them starve. They'll get hungry. They'll, they'll, they'll eat a, t t a cucumber or something. That's too much weight. And now you stress. You have to go to work. Yeah, that, that's just too much. Let God refresh you in your spirit and in the physical. Rest. Go to bed. And some of y'all right now, you're talking about, and I'm done for real this time, at 8 o'clock. Some of y'all talking about you, you, you're depressed and you're spoiling. No, some of y'all just tired. You ain't depressed and you ain't, you know, you just tired. Get somewhere, sit down, lay down, and go to bed. Elijah thought he was depressed. Well, he was depressed, but guess what? Once he had a nap, he felt better. Some of y'all just need to go to sleep. Get off the phone. Get off Facebook. Put your phone on the undisturbed. You ain't got to be nosy in or in folk business liking stuff. All go get somewhere and sit yourself down. And I promise you, you'll feel better. Take a bath. Get if you if you ain't got no a bath, go old school. Get you some get get you some uh 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 dishwashing detergent and put it put it in the tub. Get you some Dawn. Make all kind of bubbles. <laughs> Maybe you ain't got no Avon. Herman say it works. God bless you. I'm done. <laughs>